0: Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Welcome everybody to the Buck Sexton Show. Another day. Getting closer now all the time to the big decision day. And gosh, I hope that we get to celebrate in November. It's not a very sullen, very sad month for us, but we'll see. We'll see uh, at the ACB hearings. I'll tell you my thoughts on that today. I I guess it's the most they've been able to pull together so far is uh, some really dumb questions from Democrat senators. It, it's hard to believe there's not nearly enough psychopathy from the left while the Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat, which is actually just a Supreme Court seat. It doesn't belong to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's not the RBG seat, really. It's certainly isn't stolen now, nor are other Supreme Court seats stolen, despite the rhetoric the libs the Democrats use. It looks like so far so good. If that changes over the course of this show, I'll have to let you know. But I got to tell you about something else today. And maybe it's going to move the needle. Maybe it's going to make a difference. Perhaps not. We, we have to see. But it is, it is good for all of us to at least know that uh, we were certainly right We were certainly right about Hunter Biden and Burisma and the whole situation. Let's just let's backtrack for a second, shall we? By way of review, friends, make yourself comfortable. Let's let's get into this. As you will recall, it came out about what is it now, two years ago that Hunter Biden was the recipient of a particularly lucrative board seat on a Ukrainian energy company board called Burisma, Hunter Biden, who had been kicked out of the uh, military uh, for failing a drug test and who had no knowledge or or any reason at all to be on a board of a Ukrainian energy company, doesn't know the energy sector, doesn't really know much about business. Uh, Hunter Biden got a fifty thousand dollar a month sinecure. He, He got hooked up big time while daddy Joe Biden, now supposed to be the next president of the United States, was the guy who was the point man on policy in Ukraine. I remember it was at thehill.com, and two of my friends, uh, John Solomon and Sarah Carter, were the ones who were really pushing the story, breaking the uh, the big news on it. I remember as it was happening, I, I sat in the office with John Solomon when he was getting some of the the tranche of documents around this issue. That was two years ago. And you will remember that while there was some attention on this, uh, the media pretended it was just nothing, couldn't prove anything, nothing illegal about it. That that really became the fallback—that there was nothing illegal about what Hunter Biden did, and therefore we're not supposed to care. Uh, well, they were assuming there's nothing illegal about it, and from what we knew, it was gross, meaning it was unethical. Meaning there was plenty of plenty of reason to believe that what had gone on was at least corruption from a government ethics point of view, if not a criminal legal point of view. And that was what that was what was uh, a big focus of all these conversations and all these discussions at the time. Um, But, you know, the, the left circled the wagons, and it was unsurprising that they took the position they did, which was Hunter Biden is important for a democrat who's who's going to be running and so they covered for him right they made this whole effort to say that it was a no big deal people do this all the time look at how trump corrupt children are all this kind of stuff meanwhile trump had never held public office before he became president so there was no opportunity for him to engage in the same kind of public corruption that the the biden crime family has as we know and the media pretended to be really stupid and they like to do this this is one of their favorite games They all pretend to be morons. But as long as other supposedly smart people in the media say the same thing, they know that their audience will just go along with the stupidity. They know that there's there's not going to be any consequence. And and in fact, that they'll be the recipient of, you know, more TV appearances and better jobs and contracts and things like that in the media business. If they go along with the lie. Perfect example of this. I, I remember during the. Uh. 2015 2016 period talking at CNN when I was when I was a CNN contributor speaking to them about uh, the Hillary Clinton email fiasco and I kept saying look if she was operating on an on an email server and didn't use a classified server for communications really ever then there's classified under emails and that's a huge problem and it was much better if you wanted to be on CNN it was much better for people to hear you say No, it's no big deal. That's not true, even though that's a lie. And it's an obvious lie. Another one was people who acted like they couldn't figure out why would foreign countries like, oh, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, for example, why would some of these foreign countries out there take the uh, position that they wanted to give millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation? That doesn't make any sense what Saudi Arabia cares about women's empowerment or combating climate change. But if you went on TV and pointed out what was so clear to anybody with two brain cells, uh, you were shouted down. Oh, why do you hate charity? There's no proof of that. There's no, you know, the entire Democrat media effectively turned into the Clinton Foundation's personal lawyers just finding as many loopholes and misdirections and BS explanations as they could. And then people like me, who even said at the time, hey, uh, you know that the donations to the Clinton Foundation, because it is an access peddling scheme, they're selling access. That's what's going on here. Donations to the Clinton Foundation, we're going to see who's right, because they're going to fall off a cliff. They're going to be way down. After this whole thing, sure enough, the Clinton Global Initiative was shut down in the year after Hillary losing the election and Clinton Foundation you never even hear about it anymore. I thought it was a charity. There's no more charitable causes that are that need help in the world anymore. Right. The whole thing was a fraud. And the people that went around. I mean, this is why I'm working you through this, because there's a pattern here. Right. Once you understand the pattern, you you see exactly how egregious This latest effort is with Hunter with Hunter Biden to cover this thing up. They will do whatever they think helps their team, even at the at the expense of pretending to be complete morons. Journalists will all of a sudden lack the most basic intellectual capabilities because I don't understand is so much easier. uh, Or, you know, that doesn't make sense to me what you're saying that any person could connect the dots on. That's better than just. Saying, yeah, I don't care because I want my side to win and I'm not really a journalist. They don't want to say that. So they did it with the Clinton Foundation. They did it with the Clinton emails. And now with Hunter Biden and the corruption around Burisma, once again, we see the same attitude at work and we have it courtesy of a New York Post piece that goes into emails, emails uh, that show very clearly uh, that, that there was a quid pro quo. Remember that whole term from the uh, phone call with Trump and Ukraine? They used it against Trump, but there's a quid pro quo here uh, because Hunter Biden was introducing his dad to a Ukrainian executive. And the Ukrainian executive is like, thanks for making the good stuff happen for me. So the quid pro quo here is we pay you a lot of money. You make introductions to your father who runs foreign policy in our country. That's corruption, friends. Clear as day. We can all see it. And this is also a reminder. How does Joe Biden live in a $20,000 a month mansion? And why is he worth 14 to $20 million, I think, is the range I've seen? How does And, and why is Hunter Biden driving around in a Porsche? Uh, what's going on here? Well, turns out there are a lot of ways to peddle influence, a lot of ways to sell access and make money. Hunter Biden, according to the New York Post here, introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at a Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company, according to emails obtained by the Post. The never before revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Vadim Pozarsky, An advisor to the board of Burisma allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17th, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board, at a reported salary of up to $50,000 a month. And so what we see here is what was Burisma getting for its money? Well, Burisma was getting access to the guy who was able to pretty much dictate high-level policy to a Ukrainian government that was completely embattled, it had, uh, you know, Russian-backed insurgents and separatists on its border. It had had a a, a effectively a, a coup take place in the in the Maidan Square. I mean, you have all this stuff that had happened in Ukraine, country that needs Western support, and had the Russian bear bearing down on it. I couldn't find a way to avoid saying it that way, but you know that was what was going on there. And all of a sudden Hunter Biden's getting meetings for a Burisma-tied executive with his dad. Now, again, is this criminal? No, for that you'd probably have to prove a quid pro quo directly from the meeting to a Biden action. But is it politically damaging? Should it? It should be. Will it be? Well, we'll have to see how much do independents, how much do swing voters really care about this? How much do base voters really care about this? I don't know. I'm I'm honestly a little skeptical of that. Although you never know, they claim that there's some polling data that shows that the reopening of Hillary Clinton's email investigation right before the 2016 election, some people believe or say they argue that that was an important moment for Trump. I I think that that's revisionist history, but it could be. Uh, But so here we have it. Here we have the email that says that, yes, in fact, somebody from Burisma was or associated with the Burisma board, was getting meetings brokered by Hunter with his dad. This is a pay for access scheme. This is gross. We all see it. Biden has always been a guy who's out for Biden, first and foremost. This is not about public service. And he was making sure that his family members were getting rich, fat and happy while he was in a position to be the influence that they were selling. Right. What do you think the media response to this has been so far? It is mind blowing, friends. Get ready for it.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show.
2: Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position, knowing that it was really because that company wanted access to you?
0: Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that?
2: Don't you think that that it's just one of those things where people think, well, that seems kind of sleazy. Why would he have that job if not for his who his father was? He's a very bright guy. I guess the question I'm kind of asking is, was it right? His appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he regretted having done it.
1: He's a very bright guy. Yeah, that's why. That's why Hunter, Hunter Biden, the impregnator of stripper that ran away from said stripper when she wanted paternity payments After getting kicked out of the military for using drugs, look, I I, look, the man's obviously had a tough life. And there's a part of me that also wants to say, look, you know, the guy's a mess up and there's a better word for it. But I can't use it on radio, but he's a mess up. But, you know, this is politics, folks. And if you want daddy to be the leader of the free world after already being VP for eight years and all of daddy's little buddies in the media and the Democrat Party are constantly attacking Trump's kids who were already super rich and already super influential before their dad became president. You're going to constantly be attacking them. I'm sorry. The hypocrisy is too much here. And even Savannah Guthrie is like, I mean, it kind of looks gross. It doesn't. It's obviously gross. We are not morons. We understand what happened here. We all everyone Democrats, everyone we all see this was influence peddling. Hunter Biden got this, got this payment because he was going to arrange meetings for important people with dad. And then dad took actions that might have really benefited the company. Because Burisma had a record of corruption and this was well known. So do you know what the media is doing now today? Can't make it up, folks. I just got to tell you what's what's happening, because it's even more interesting than what I could come up with on the fly. Uh, They're straight up saying, nope, these are stolen documents. We won't report on them. I mean, the New York Post is reporting on it. Conservative media is reporting on it. But the mainstream media, the lib media. We will not report on unverified stolen documents. Oh, okay. So after, what, four years now of pretending the Steele dossier, which we know beyond any doubt is a concoction of Hillary campaign paid for, rumors, fabrications, gossip, bull. Just a giant sheet of bull. That's what it is. You could say it is a, a, a sheet of bull, a, a bull sheet. That's what it pulled, that's what it got pulled together as. And nobody can seem to address this properly right now in the media. Why? Oh, because they just don't want to. So they're saying it's stolen documents. Some guy who does comms for Facebook, his name is Andy Stone, put out, quote, what's his actual title here? I mean, yeah, communications at Facebook. Oh, he used to work for Senator Boxer. What a surprise. A huge lib in Facebook communications. This is why these social media platforms cannot be trusted. Quote, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post, I want to be clear that this story is eligible to be fact-checked by Facebook's third-party fact-checking partners. In the meantime, we are reducing its distribution on our platform. Friends, this is somebody who is a Facebook official which is really, Facebook is, Facebook and Google, the two most powerful media companies really in the world right now, okay? I mean, there are a few others that are up there, but Facebook and Google are probably number one and number two, or number two and number one. And they're straight up telling you, less than three weeks before an election, hey, you know that story that's really damaging for the Democrat candidate? And that tells a narrative of not only, corruption but also just all the lies biden lying acting like we're all such imbeciles that we can't figure out what was going on here you know biden could have come clean and said yeah look it was bad my son shouldn't have done it but instead it was oh no he's a smart boy yeah yeah hunter's a real smart smart guy yeah sure they're telling you they're suppressing this they're telling you that this is a media outlet that acts as a platform sometimes and as a publisher other times And right now it's a publisher on behalf of the DNC. They're actively suppressing. This is not a you're not imagining this. This is not a theory. They won't they won't report on this because they say it's some computer tech guy who gave the information to the Senate committee looking over this. And now the story's broke Clearly, The Senate committee released some of these or talked about some of these emails to certain news outlets since when explain to me since when the these are stolen documents prevented the media from reporting on something they will report on top secret information that is truly damaging for it to be released but they don't care if they want to tell a story they tell the story and they, they hold a, a, a total in their minds total autonomy to do that they won't report on this story facebook is throttling it facebook is suppressing it it's because this is a bullseye friends
0: thanks for listening to the best of buck daily podcast Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit bucksexton.com.
1: Speaking of COVID lockdowns and all the damage that it's been doing, still have millions of people who don't have jobs that they should have, were it not for the government deciding that they weren't allowed to continue working, who are not getting those uh, supplemental benefits. That they had been in the past if they've lost their job, let's say, for since the beginning of the pandemic or at some point midway through. And this is where you would think the federal government would just would just step up and help out. But no, because what what have I told you? You'll see this. This is a thread. This is a theme that will run through everything. What have I told you? Nothing matters to the news media, and the Democrat Party right now, other than beating Trump. Nothing can be allowed to be a distraction from that. It cannot detract from that. It it has to be. It's all systems go. That is the only focus. The journalists get up in the morning. CNN and MSNBC and ABC News, they get up and their mission in life is to make sure Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. And that's also true for Nancy Pelosi and the entire Democrat Party. The suffering that's out there, they don't care. They're the ones, first of all, that will just go out and say, Republicans don't care about people dying. So how do we respond to that overheated rhetoric? Well, one way is just to point out, well, Democrats definitely don't care about people suffering financially, their businesses uh, suffering emotionally. And you have this uh, class of elites. You know, you have this class of elites that still manages to have their jobs. They work remotely. They probably have, you know, more time at home, more time on the couch. It's not so bad for them. They don't care. None of them are going to be storming Pelosi Manor with pitchforks and torches, screaming that she actually do something right. That's not going to happen. But Chardonnay Nancy is openly standing in the way of people getting the federal benefits that the Trump administration has already said. We would we will sign this. We'll get this done. Republicans will push it through the House, the Senate. Trump will sign it. People start getting their direct deposits. And that's money for groceries. That's money for rent. You know, money to to pay for essential pharmaceuticals. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. People need help out there. Not everybody. Some people are, you know, pretty fine, pretty fat and happy right now. Emphasis on fat, given all the covid uh, mac and cheese and sweet treat eating that's been going on. I can't speak for all of you, but. But, you know, some people are not, not really suffering at all about this. And they don't care what's happening to the working class while the Democrat Party pretends to be the champions of the working class. They, Nancy, if you remember, this is the third go around here where she has said, no, I'm going to take hostages. I'm going to hold the funds the American worker, the American people need hostage to my left wing legislative agenda. Because that's how Nancy Pelosi is. That's what she's doing. And it was a bit of a shock yesterday to see. And it really wasn't because Wolf Blitzer is some big man of the people. I'm just going to say it. All right. Wolf Blitzer guy's a millionaire many, many times over, you know, know. but she got really nasty with Wolf Blitzer. It was kind of amazing because CNN is just carrying water for the Democrat Party all day long, 24 seven. It's gross. It's obvious. It's pathetic. That's what they do all day long. And they'll say, oh, but what about Fox? Fox has Democrats on Fox has real Democrats. Fox has Pete Buttigieg. Sorry for mispronouncing his name. Pete Buttigieg on to represent uh, the left wing point of view. I mean, Fox will actually have these. They'll have real Democrat strategists, not, you know, CNN will have on some Republicans like, yeah, I've never really worked on a campaign, but I'm just here to, you know, get punched in the face for the amusement of CNN viewers. It's crazy. But CNN all day long, is all they do. And Pelosi, it's not enough. Queen Pelosi, Queen Nancy expects 100 percent obedience and servitude from CNN. Her view is she owns CNN. CNN owes her. Right. You know, she's above them. They are her scribes. She tells CNN, The New York Times and others what to say. What to think? Look, she's the most powerful elected Democrat, most powerful elected woman in politics in America. It's just a fact. I know it hurts me to to say it out loud, but it's true. And so she expects them to just bow down, take their orders and say, thank you, Nancy. May I have another? That's it. But yesterday, Wolf Blitzer found out that that really is what she thinks. Here's how the exchange went. This is over COVID relief funding. And here's how, uh, this is how Nancy V. Wolf, how it went. The Wolf can snap back, apparently. Play five. But let's not but go
2: into that. Yeah, wait, you wait, evidently do that. not respect the chairman of the committee's. I, re- I respect, bills. I respect I all of you. And I wish you would respect the knowledge that goes into getting uh, uh, the, the meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on a jag defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in all person. Right.
0: Madam Speaker, these are, these are incredibly difficult times right now. Uh, and we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining no, we'll
2: us. I will on the boat that you are not right on this, Wolf, and I hate to say that all to right. you, but I feel confident about it, and I feel confident about my colleagues, and I feel confident in my chairs.
1: Oh, we're not done. Just you know, there's more, but we wanted to pop in here for a second to say, first of all, wow, it's kind of nasty, right? I mean, Wolf kind of just try to say, okay, thanks, see you later. And she's like, no, 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 you're an idiot, just so you know, you're wrong, you're wrong. I, before we, thanks for having me again, sure, you're wrong, just FYI. Like, unnecessary, slamming the door into his butt after she's also kicked him out of the house, you know what I mean? Not necessary. Petty, petty. Nancy's feeling the heat, you know why? There's polls out there that show that American public blames Nancy more than Trump for the holdup in the COVID aid. This may be backfiring on the Democrats. Nancy's feeling that heat. What is Nancy Pelosi is ruled by polls and power. That's it. Nothing else. There's no principle. Doesn't stand for anything. Stands for Nancy Pelosi. And the Borg, you know, collective of the Democrat Party. I don't know how many Star Trek fans are out there, but you get what I'm saying. You know, Nancy Pelosi is uh, like the hive mind that controls all the agent Smiths of the Democrat Party. If you like the Matrix more. So, This is all about why can't we get funding out to people? Trump, the Republicans have said one point eight trillion dollars. Nancy says, no, not enough. Now, a reasonable person would say there's urgency here. People don't have money for their bills. They're running up credit card debt. They may be losing their home soon if they haven't already. They're under a lot of stress. They don't know when their jobs are coming back, if ever. Let's get these people help and There is an obligation. I think it's so important. I think conservatives here, the government needs to help people. The government decided to take away their jobs. The government decided to shut down the economy. It's not your fault if you can't make a living, you know, at your shoe store anymore because you're not allowed to have customers in the store on government mandate. That's government's fault. So instead of just saying, you know what, you're right. There's more stuff to be done, but let's get the money out to people. Pelosi goes, no, I want more or I'm going to hold the American people who are suffering hostage. It's exactly what she's doing. And Wolf Blitzer kind of knows it. He's like, hey, but I mean, can we get the people money? And then Nancy goes and says, you're covering for the Republicans, which for a Democrat, for someone watching CNN. I mean, that's the gravest insult imaginable for if, if, to a CNN watcher. If it's. Being called a mass murderer or being called an apologist for the Republican position for a congressional uh, a congressional spending bill. We all know that the second one is way worse. Much better be a mass. I mean, mass murderers can still believe in climate change. Mass murderers can still understand which pronoun to use of somebody's preferred pronouns. Pelosi and uh, and the wolf. They were not done. Play clip seven. Uh, no, Six.
0: It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent. Who and we are represent them. And we represent them. And we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. Them. I know we you know are. We know them. You, I'm, I'm just we saying. We represent
2: them and we know them. As we, we say. We know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the
0: perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say It is nowhere
2: no, near perfect.
0: Madam Speaker,
2: always the case, but we're not even close to the good.
0: All right. Let's see what happens, because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much thank for you joining for your us.
2: sensitivity to our constituents needs.
0: I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank Have you so you said much.
2: Them? We feed them. We we'll, feed them.
0: We'll continue this conversation down the road <laughs> for sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: No, let's just be clear. No, Nancy doesn't feed them. That's the point. Nancy's saying, we'll feed them if you buy us a new car. We'll feed them if you give us more stuff, Republicans. That's what's actually happening here. There's there's no problem with the PPP and the unemployment benefits. Republicans are like, let's go for it. Nancy won't do it. Nancy wants bailouts for cities that have been poorly run and running up debts. You know why they have debts? This, This is when you really get it. This is when the rubber really meets the road, friends. Why are cities facing so much in the way of problems here? Public sector pensions, huge drain other than police, uh, police unions. Who do you think the teachers unions and the municipal employees unions? Who do you think they're all completely embedded with the Democrat Party? Of course. What are the two things that drive large cities deep into the red? New York City, Chicago, you name know, well. there are two things. Public sector union demands and pensions. Medicaid, that's it. Programs that Democrats are obsessed with. So what do they want? They want to use the suffering of the American people to get a federal bailout for poorly run cities. And the Republicans are saying, "Sorry, that's not that's not what this is about." You don't get to you know give us a wish list. You know Nancy's standing over the patient. The patient's dying. Nancy's got the two electric paddles you know in her hands. You know they go clear. They do that whole thing. N- Nancy's got them in her hands. Republicans said, "Okay, we we've turned on the device. Do it." And Nancy goes, "I want a pony, and then I'll do it." Wait, what? What do you mean? And then she goes, we're the ones that try to save people during a heart attack. No, you're, you're the one who's demanding a pony, Nancy. We, we see what's going on here. And I'm glad that Wolf Blitzer decided to try to regain some shred of dignity here by saying, OK, but there are a lot of people who are suffering. And then this is what, this is what I love too. This is the ultimate, the ultimate fraud here. Nancy Pelosi, He's a 78 year old gazillionaire Nancy Pelosi. I think she's worth 40 to 70 million or something like that on the congressional forum. She's worth a ton of money. Those ladies, rich, and then some. I mean, really, her husband is, but, you know, she, that's her money, too. And uh, she lives in a, in a straight-up mansion. I mean, like a baronial castle, practically, in San Francisco. And she really cares so much about the poor and struggling people. Anybody who believes that's an idiot, she doesn't care. She doesn't know these people. She doesn't spend any time with them. Nancy Pelosi hasn't worried about paying a bill in over 50 years. So come on, folks. Come on. CNN accidentally pushed into a moment of journalism by pushing back on the Speaker of the House, trashing one of their best known anchors, just trashing him. I mean, really abusing the guy. Actually, look kind of bad for him. But you know why this is happening? Because Nancy knows. People are figuring this out, that her scam is not working as well as she had anticipated, just like it had in the previous times. And now she can't allow uh, for the Republicans to get their way in her mind, because that's a political victory right before the election. That people are really going to feel they're going to see the money in their bank accounts. And it's going to be clear that, wait a second, we could have had this a month ago, six weeks ago. But Nancy wanted to play games. I don't think I'm putting those lunatic libs in charge. I don't think so. No, instead, what she has to do is make sure people are either miserable and blame Trump. That's the game. Or she gets this bountiful, you know, two point four trillion dollars or whatever it is she's demanding now. Not one point eight trillion and gets to look like a hero, a savior of Democrat cities across the country, which will help with base turnout and also show that the Republicans cave to her. It's all politics, friends. It's all you have to know about Nancy. What is what is benefiting her, not what helps the people. True, the Democratic Party as well.
0: This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to bucksexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. And you know, Biden, he can't
1: stand up to the lunatics running his party. He can't even find his way off the stage without him. Look, look what's happened. Yesterday, he didn't know the name. He said, you know, the guy, I think he's a Mormon, right? He said he's a Mormon. He was talking about Mitt Romney. He forgot Mitt Romney's name. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Then he didn't know where he was. He said, where the hell am I? Where am I? No, he's shot, folks. He's shot. I'm running against the single worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. And you know what that does? That puts more pressure on me. Can you imagine if you lose to a guy like this? The president's very competitive, fortunately. So I, I know that he's giving this everything he's got. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? It feels like eons have passed, at least in news cycle terms, from when uh, on a Friday evening, Trump was going to Walter Reed Medical Center and there was this, this frenzy from the lib media of both see, he deserved it and I don't even want to say what they were hoping for, but you all know what they were hoping for. At least at least a few weeks of the president struggling in the hospital. At least at least uh, a you know prolonged period of recovery looking at Trump you know, stammering and And, uh, you know, doddering around the White House and not looking like himself and dealing with, you know, really severe illness. And the guy like four days later was practically, you know, doing the moonwalk and backflips and telling everybody how he's going to kick butt in 2021. Here we are. And we're also at a point that we see the media's credibility is on the line here in a way that it never really has been before, because I think if they if they lose This if they lose and that's really what it will be if Biden wins, if they lose this election, because it's the Democrat media and the and the Biden ticket, and the DNC altogether, they realize that this game that they've been playing for a long time where they act like they are the the truth scribes of our society and they present information that we all need to know, they're just going to keep losing, keep losing that perceived authority. And by the end of four more years of Trump, think about this. Trump has been calling them out, saying they're fake news, saying they're the enemy of the people. So what I'm trying to tell you is that this time around, it's personal for the media. This time around, it's it's existential to what they view as their profession and really to their purpose. right? Will they continue to be this uh, media apparatus that gets to tell everybody what reality is and we're all supposed to nod our heads oh sure that's just you're just speaking the truth you're all truth tellers if they get a biden administration with all the access they have with all the things that they'll do uh i i know that they view this as an enormous win for them not just ideologically but but professionally financially it'll be a big win you have to remember within administration comes all kinds of you know the lobbyists change out you know to some degree and the uh all the administration positions and all the patronage and the appointees and the think tanks. and all, all this stuff. All this stuff that's out there. And, you know, I turn around and I say, what happens if, uh, sure enough, um, what happens if they lose again? Right? Then what do they do? Then what's their... Because the conservative media having a President Trump for four more years would be in a much better position to continue to show anyone who has the ability to think clearly this is all this media apparatus that that exists in the country is all a fraud. I should probably call them apparatchiks now to start going back to the Soviet era, because there really is something very deeply Soviet about what we're witnessing. I'll talk to you in a little bit about. The war on. Sexual preference as a term. I'm not allowed to say that anymore. Not allowed to say war on sexual. I mean, sorry, not allowed to say sexual preference. And we'll explain how that came up yesterday. And the speed with which they almost institutionalized this newfound change was amazing. It was jaw dropping. Uh, but first, under, understand that there is no dishonesty, there is no uh, level of complicity that is beyond. The Democrat media right now and you're going to see that in everything as it plays out going forward for the next few weeks it's just it's all in it's all in in 2016 they thought Hillary was gonna win yeah they were they were stacking the deck for her and there was the Billy Bush tape and that was the October surprise and I still think the Democrats have got it there's some dirty trick they're going to play although Looking increasingly like they don't have any, any. They just don't have a card to play against ACB, not one that's going to work. They don't have it, so they're probably going to then focus all that additional rage on Trump, which we all can expect. I think that that's very likely to happen. Uh, one thing I wanted also say here: um, the the rhetoric from the left is increasingly not only is it divorced from reality, but it's it's troubling to hear somebody who will say these things, especially when they have, you know, millions of listeners or viewers or anything else. They're doing real damage to our society. They're just doing it because now we have a system that rewards people, whether it's in politics or media, for the most hateful and outrageous claims about the other side. It's, it's not a side effect now. That's the goal. That's the goal. Don't don't ever try to be held up by honesty or decency. Just say whatever you have to say to just crush the other side. Here's Chris Hayes, who used to be kind of a more of a mild mannered, nerdy lib guy. You know, now he's been an anchor for a few years. So he's you know, a big man on campus kind of thing over at over at MSNBC. But while we're having this ACB hearing, um, here's what he's saying about the Republican tradeoff. Play play 23. Now, Mike Lee is not fully out of the woods. His doctor today released a letter uh, that acknowledged that while Lee is improving, he is Basically still experiencing symptoms self-reported. And yet there he was in the hearing room today, speaking without a mask. So committed to ramming through a justice, to giving Trump and conservatives a 6-3 majority on the court for a generation, so they can do things like, I don't know, maybe take away Americans' health care. So committed to that project that even though he might have contracted the illness at the last big event for this justice, even though he is still experiencing symptoms, he rushed back into that room to breathe all over his colleagues. He could have done it on Zoom. I mean, we've all spent seven months working remotely, but no, 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 no. Why? Well, because they just don't seem to care how many people get sick and how many people die so long as they can push their justice through. They don't care how many people die. They don't care about people dying. This is really I want you to hear this. I know it's it's frustrating. It's even enraging, perhaps. This is now mainstream thought. On the left, they believe this. Republicans don't care. Our loved ones, ourselves, we're at every bit the same risk as Democrats are from this virus. I know that you're going to say Democrat states have had much worse records against this. But, you know, as human beings, as individuals, we're, we're all at risk from this. As I've been telling you, the risk for a vast majority of us is, is quite minimal. But there are risks. There's no question about it. But we don't care about people dying. That's so interesting because on the other side of this, first of all, that's it's a stupid slander. But Democrats excel at stupid slanders. On the other side of this, you have the costs that the media will not pay attention to right now. You're going to be living if you if you watch mainstream media, if you turn on ABC News, which I don't know why anyone watches that warmed over, you know, poll tested socialist crap. I don't know why people think that, you know, I'll just turn on NBC News tonight, you know. It's the same thing as you know, a big news story that's from a left wing uh, opinion, but it sounds authoritative. And then at the end, it's like, hey, here's a mama duck swimming around in a pond. I mean, it's so stupid. People watch this stuff. Uh, they won't tell you about what is increasingly clear, which is the enormous cost to life and psychological and emotional well-being from policies that it used to be. We had to look at lockdowns as a as a trade off. Now, increasingly, it's just a self-inflicted wound. The data is not supportive of these things as working. They do not work. The only thing that would really work to stop this virus would be to stop society. And we can't do that. Even the libs have to, and I mean really stop it. I mean everyone, you you cannot move. You are in place for two weeks. No grocery shopping. No doctor's visits. No hospital visits. Nothing. Two weeks. Shut down. And even that might not do it. But we can't do that. That's crazy. That's insane. Well, it used to be we thought of this as all a big trade-off. trade-off. By the way, I think this is a much more important issue than the hearings. I'm just going to say it fighting against lockdowns. We are heading into a winter of lockdowns in this country again because it's been handed to the states and people are terrified and blue states and even some red states. Look at Texas are run by people who don't have the, the courage, don't have the political and intestinal fortitude. To say, I'm, look, people can take whatever precautions they want. I'm not using the power of the state to erase constitutional freedoms and rights to make people who are overly anxious or who are capitalizing on this panic and fear happy. Uh, this is this is what has been shared. You know, Dr. Atlas was uh, was on Fox last night. And here are just some of the stats that he shared. Forty six percent of cancers during the lockdowns were not diagnosed. Fifty percent of chemotherapy appointments were missed and 50 and, percent and of immunization scheduled were missed for uh, for young children. Th- those are guaranteed. OK, we didn't we didn't cut cancer in half by having lockdowns because then we really would be in lockdown forever. Right. All that means is we're missing hundreds of thousands of cancer cases delayed perhaps for months months you know when those those people are going to we're not going to you know necessarily know what the real toll is here they're going to start unfortunately uh, some percentage of them are going to start dying you know this late this winter next spring next summer because they instead of being stage one they were stage four you know or instead of being stage two they're stage three whatever it may be enormous cost to this and that's just one thing Two hundred thousand missed cases of child abuse during lockdowns. The child abuse didn't disappear; just not seen because people don't go to school, which is actually the main reporting mechanism from where people where people see the abuse. This was uh, one of the most sobering statistics: twenty-five percent of young people, according to the CDC, are considering suicide. Twenty-five percent, one in four, or have considered suicide during lockdowns. Uh, you do start to have these moments. Look, I, I've had moments. Obviously, nothing not thinking anything seriously and nobody should ever have those thoughts and they should get help right away if they do. But he would start to wake up and just in a general sense, you say, what's the point? I can't see anyone. I can't do anything. I'm just going to just going to keep feeding myself and watching screens all day alone. That's really what lockdown is. Oh, and if I go outside, I have to put on this moronic face diaper. You know, I was very happy Tucker last night, just reminding everybody on his show. Hey, the people that are telling you that if you don't mask up, you're you're literally—and that is the word that he used, as Cuomo used—literally killing people. They were laughing at masks earlier this year, and now the science has changed so much. Here's something that I want you all to keep in mind, friends. All of the data on two highly infectious airborne pathogens, measles and chickenpox, will tell you, and it, it is considered. Necessary science, uh, science-based, evidence-based practice that you must have a, a properly fitted N95 mask and goggles on. If you do not, if you are an adult who has not had measles or the measles vaccine, or chickenpox or the chickenpox vaccine, and you're going to be in, in an enclosed space with somebody who has that uh, has one of those viruses, cloth mask entirely insufficient entirely insufficient and if you wear one you have a very high probability very high possibility of catching a uh, of catching one of those viruses so why is it so different here why is it all of a sudden that masking is supposed to be saving all of us well i'll address this a little bit more because I, i i look i think this is the most important issue in the country bar none the issue of lockdowns of covid of our fight against this